Hello, and welcome to another edition of the School Safety Free Period. I'm Amanda Klinger. And I'm Dr. Amy Klinger. And we are with the Educators School Safety Network. We are a national nonprofit organization, and we provide school safety training and resources and technical assistance and professional development to schools throughout the United States and Canada. And although we have a lot of resources that are available for free online, one thing that we do every week, and we have been doing even uh, before our current pandemic situation, is we have this live stream where we have a free period where we are a little bit less formal, but we're still uh, pretty serious. And we talk about a lot of different school safety topics. Uh, typically, we cover a lot of different things that are happening in the world of school safety, uh, but recently, like everyone else, we are it focusing on one thing happening. We, yeah, we are focusing on the same thing that everyone else is focusing on. Um, but there are a number of different school safety concerns and a couple of different ways to look at this and what's happening and what we hope will happen in the future, which is going back to some semblance of normalcy in schooling. And I think it's a good opportunity to talk about some of the challenges that that um, are confronting our schools with specifically with regard to safety, but then also I think there's some opportunities um, when we come back that this that this thing that everyone has gone through might change people's perceptions a little bit and we might be able to use that opportunity to make some changes for the better in regards to school safety. So I know you had a couple things you you wanted to talk about. Yeah, so those of you watching on the live stream, if you're not interested in what we're talking about, you could just watch how many times I touch my face because I have been, there've been so much conversation about don't touch your face. I feel like I must spend all day, every day touching my face. I just was doing it a minute ago. So there's two different activities. You can listen <clears throat> or you can watch and count and tell me how often I touch my face because I'm apparently Mr. Don't on what we're supposed to be doing. Well, so to be fair, to be fair though, you are doing a great job social distancing at home, and you're doing a good job washing your hands. At least that's what you've been telling me. I am, as evidenced by my bad nails and dry hands. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. so yes, could be worse, but I digress. <laughs> Anyways. Um, I guess one of the, the, the preeminent questions is how are you going to talk about school safety when we're not even in school? And so prior in our past podcast, we talked about how school safety issues can continue to be of concern when we're teaching in an online environment. And as we are now sort of getting not mixed messages in a negative way, but sort mm -hmm. of mixed messages of we are at a really crucial time in this situation. But yet we're now starting to look ahead um, at that light at the end of the tunnel um, and looking ahead at what does this look like in the future as opposed to just the survival mode of getting through these next weeks, you know, one week or two. Mm -hmm. And so that really today we want to talk about what does that look like and what are the considerations and what are some of the things to kind of kick around as we look at one of two options going back to a more <clears throat> traditional face-to-face -face school situation yet this school year which will not be the case in some states but may very well be the case in others mm -hmm. and then that little bit further milestone of when we all go back to school in the fall and what does that look like? And does that look like a, a return to a more traditional school setting? Does it look like a hybrid of, and what does that look like? And what are some of the considerations that we need uh, to think about? So 
Um, I've been reading some interesting articles about that, talking about a lot of the things that we need to be reflecting on. And I think they all have a, several things in common. One of them is the sort of universal notion that we are not going back to normal, but yet we are going back to normal. So we mm -hmm. want to have kids in classrooms. We want to have interaction and, and a more traditional face-to-face -face environment, but yet we are not going to go back to school um, in September feeling the same way as we did the, the September before mm -hmm. in terms of distancing in terms of public health considerations in terms of a whole bunch of different things so how do we sort of hit that spot in the middle that allows us to bring the good things that lessons learned and bring the good things of what we used to do and sort of meld those two together so i think that's a really critical yeah. point to start off this discussion well and i think you know this <clears throat> there's sort of been like a pressing pause. Obviously, there's a lot of instruction still happening. There's a lot of learning still happening. But as far as a traditional school day in a traditional school setting, we've sort of pressed pause on it. And I think when we transition back to something that is more like normal, um, whether it's the same or, or whatnot, but more like normal, I think it is an opportunity for us to and I, I, so you, you touch your face too much. I stay strategic and intentional too much. Um, but I think it's an opportunity for us to be really strategic and intentional about the things that we do. You know, when we talk about school climate and culture a lot um, as a, a really important component of school safety um, that sometimes is, is parsed out into his own silo, but, but I think really is appropriate to, to talk about in this discussion. And school climate and culture largely does not happen by accident. Um, sometimes you have happy accidents in school climate and culture, but those are things that are that happen when we are strategic and intentional about the way that we go about doing things. And I think that or at that's, least having a positive school culture. Yeah, happens. that's true. Ha a positive culture, school culture. The happens. negative one does quite well by itself. Yeah. actually. But I, I think this is an opportunity because we're going to go back to school at some point, whether it's yet this spring or whether it's in the fall, we are going to have a time where we come back to school in some fashion and that we can be really intentional about what does that look like and we we are going to have to acknowledge that this thing happened and how can we do that in a way that we're bringing people back into the fold and that we're bringing parents back into the fold and you know parents we've talked about this in prior episodes that parents have this uh, pretty visceral understanding of what homeschooling their kids has been like and how can we leverage that to build these positive you know, bridges and positive relationships with our stakeholders and with parents and with students, especially. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the articles that I was that I was reading about really sort of um, was talking about this potential divide that we're going to find when we bring kids back into a more traditional school setting. Um, and so this author was talking about how his child actually did more reading and more math and more academic work, he feels, at home than he had been doing at school because of the one-on-one -on -one attention, because he had parents at home who were committed to that. He had an extended family that was committed to that and had expertise as educators. And his point was, my son's going to go back to school academically further ahead than many other kids who didn't have that support and mm -hmm. didn't have those interactions. Mm -hmm. But at the same moment, he also had concerns that his son had fallen behind in socialization mm -hmm. and in being able to work um, collaboratively and, and in being able to be patient and all the sort of citizenship 
sort of things mm -hmm. that we look for as well. And so I think it's really important to talk about those gaps that are going to be exacerbated as we bring kids back mm -hmm. who maybe have experienced learning in a very different way and maybe are further ahead in some areas and, and significantly behind in others. Yeah. And those gaps may, may have widened um, during this time. Yeah, when we, and, and I think there's going to be some students where the inverse is true, where mm -hmm. they have made a lot of gains in soft skills. Um, in, in, you know, and I have, you know, friends of mine who, you know, have kids at home and who are, you know, really anxious about, you know, they're not doing enough in this math thing and they're not doing enough in, in these like really academic subjects. But then they also say, I, but they've been cooking with me a whole bunch yep. and we learned, we built this thing. We built a closet. We built a built-in closet. And we did hands-on sort mm -hmm. of thing. And yeah. so, you know, and and not that one of those is better than the other, but you are going to have students coming back to you that are everywhere on that continuum and some kids who have had really difficult social distancing yeah. um, experiences where they have not learned soft skills or academic skills. When, um, or where there's been a lot of anxiety and turmoil sort of mental and instability and what was happening in their family. Yeah. So that's a really big one. So I think that's that's something we really need to think about. And and sort of related to that a little bit, just to kind of throw it out there, is we are going to have kids that are going to go, you know what? I don't want to go back to what I did before. Mm -hmm. I like being able to read what I want to read and do yeah. what I want to do. And, you know, so there's going to be some, a little bit of, uh, of, of problems with that with that transition back. But the things that I wanted to kind of focus on, to not spend a lot of time, but really kind of looking at the different functions of schools and how do those look and how do we plan for those through the lens of safety. So we know the academic function. We've spent a lot of time talking about that. But if we also look at kind of the dirty little secret or the thing that nobody wants to talk about so much is the custodial function of schools. And we don't want to talk about it because we feel like it minimizes what we do. Mm -hmm. But I've read several things from people talking about, it's important for me to know that I put my kid on the bus and I go to work and I do the things that I need to do. And I know my kid is safe and is cared for and is being supervised and is getting a meal and all those things. Mm -hmm. And then I get them at the end of the day. So that custodial function, when that disappears as it has, really creates a vacuum. Mm -hmm. And so we have to look at that custodial function in the sense that that's really important. And that's probably one of the ones that is most directly related to safety mm -hmm. is is that function of knowing that my child is going to be well cared for and supervised in this environment. Well, and I think the absence of that is what is weighing really heavily on parents. Um, I think sometimes, you know, you, you've read a lot of think pieces of it, and I think sometimes parents maybe verbalize it in the terms of, I'm concerned about my kid falling behind academically. But I think the undercurrent to that that's a little bit more difficult to verbalize is the demands that are placed on me from my work are still there. Yeah. And people who, you know, are lucky enough to not have been laid off um, and are able to work from home, those demands are the same. Uh, the family demands have grown so much because the custodial function of the schools is no more. And so now, uh, you know, people are faced with these two full-time jobs of parenting, care, care of a family, running of a household, and then their, their normal job functions. And, I mean, that yeah. has a taking, taking a toll on people. And how do we ensure that we are doing the best possible job in our custodial function? And how do we actually, to a certain extent, take pride in that, as in that is what keeps 
the engine of our culture running mm -hmm. is that we are the, the that custodial function as well as the citizenship and mm -hmm. you know all the other different pieces that mm -hmm. go into that that are not academic. The other one that I think is has not been discussed a whole lot is sort of that socialization and relationship function mm -hmm. that we have, uh, and and that's what you see a lot of people talking about of the isolation, and you know the 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 kids are not being able to socialize with other kids. They're not able to deal with and and it usually comes through the the lens of friends mm -hmm. but i also have to say there is also also a socialization and a relationship function of schools where you learn to get along with people you don't like mm -hmm. and you learn to work with people who are different from you and you learn how to learn with people that have a different style and who aren't necessarily your favorite people and when mm -hmm. we can only when we're only cherry picking the best of the people to hang out with that mm -hmm. is not replicating what we're going to be really finding in life so mm -hmm. that relationship function is currently not being served mm -hmm. really hardly at all in, um, in, in our learning family. how to interact with adults that aren't your family um, not yeah. just of the really not just just social interactions with peers but with social interactions with adults as well yeah, absolutely. And so I think we need to be thinking about what does that look like when we restart? So what is the priority when we restart? Is the priority the academic function, the socialization relationship function, the custodial function? What is the, the priority and how do we do that? Mm -hmm. Especially if we're going to do that in a non-traditional way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we come back to a traditional school we're gonna have all those functions in place. But if we don't, which one of those? You know, and I was thinking today about, you know, what do we do for a kid that's gonna wait until September to be back in a classroom? Are there things that we can be doing? Um, are there ways that we can think, quote unquote, outside the box to be able to have school in a setting or in a calendar that is not mm -hmm. traditional? You know, I wonder if you started having school August 1st, even if it were voluntary, you know, would people come? I think so. I think yeah. people want to restart that sort of all of those functions and they want those to be shared between the school and the and the home and the community. Yeah. Well, and I am not an educator by training, but, uh, you know, I have floated my half serious proposition before of canceling academic classes in middle school and just focusing on functioning as humans as you're going through puberty in middle school, uh, which I, is a joke. But I do think that when we come back, when we transition back to something more like normal school, I think we are going to have to resist the, te the uh, tendency to do full steam ahead academics. We have to make yeah. up all the things we've lost because, you know, kids have dealt with this incredible disruption. I mean, adults are feeling it too of the the anxiety the uncertainty the inability to plan anything more than a week in advance and the total disruption of routines um yeah. you know and we and i always sort of joke around about you know having you know feral children return to you at the start of school you know in the fall and then that teachers do this incredible job of transitioning them into like little scholars and learners that is going to be significantly more the case um after yeah. this extended period and and I think we're going to have to be, you know, gentle with our students and teachers are going to have to be gentle with themselves because it, it is going to be a big transition it, for everyone. 
well, to use your analogy, I think it's sort of our academics going to be the skeleton on which we hang the other stuff, the relationships and the custodial function, which is kind of what it is in middle school, that the academics are sort of the venue by which we work on all this other stuff. But that's going to be true to varying degrees of, you know, sometimes the custodial function is going to be the bear is going to be the backbone of it. Mm -hmm. It's just we need to get them here. Mm -hmm. And then we can do a variety of different things. But I I am a little concerned with going back to an all or nothing proposition that essentially says we either are going to have school exactly the way we had school in September 20 or or sorry, of 19, or we're not doing school. Um, I think we have to move beyond this really dichotomous idea of it's either completely the Wild West online or everybody's in a classroom sitting in lines the way that they were sitting in lines in September of 2019. And, and we have the, the, a little bit of time to be able to start thinking about what does that look like? Yeah. How do we safely bring kids in? How do we safely interact? How do we mm-hmm. do things that are safe, not just from a public health perspective, but also all of the other safety concerns that, that we worry about? But how do we do we create a system that stretches and has enough give that we Mm -hmm. can pivot and go back and forth instead of just saying, well, if I can't have you in the classroom from from eight to eight to three, we're not doing it at all. And that's one of the concerns I have is is can we generate a system that has that give to it that allows us to be able to serve the custodial, the academic, the social functions simultaneously in a variety of ways. So I think that's really kind of one of the things that that we need to be thinking about at a classroom level, that we need to be thinking about at a school level, and then we need to be thinking about sort of at this macro level of what kind of regulations, what kind of policies, what kind of things need to be modified. You know, we talk about what we're doing with the FDA and all these other places where we're streamlining things to be able to be innovative and that incredible spirit of innovation Mm -hmm. that is very much an American attribute as well as, uh, you know, other places, but certainly how do we allow our schools to take advantage of that so that they can serve under a variety of conditions? Um, And that's what I I haven't seen a lot of discussion about that yet. Well, I think, you know, one way, I think a lot of what we're talking about with especially being, you know, sort of being strategic and being intentional is that sort of question of why are we doing it this way? Um, And the question, are we doing it this way? Because I don't know, we've kind of always done it this way, or we're doing it this way because of this reason and this reason. And it's it's worse in this way, but it's a lot better in all of these other ways. And so we've done the examination of that and we're, we're moving forward doing it this way. And so I think that's what's going to have to happen for a lot of the concerns you're talking about, balancing academics and relationship and the custodial function and all those other things, that's going to have to happen. But our hope is that people can really take this opportunity to also examine that from our safety practices. And, and I want to be really clear that we're not saying, you know, because you hear a lot of this of we're never going back to normal. And people take that in one of two ways, meaning that, it, you know, our society is irreparably damaged and we're never going to go back to normal or a view that says we can't forget that this happened. And so we have to learn mm-hmm. from it 
and have, um, you know, pull from it the lessons that can be learned and preserve the things that are positive. And so I, when we're talking about this, I just want to make sure everyone's really clear. We're not saying we need to figure out how to not ever have school the way we used to have school anymore. We're talking about crafting and returning to quote unquote normal in a way that is is able to preserve the lessons learned, preserve the good of what we have, but yet acknowledges that you can't pretend that what right. has happened in the last two months hasn't happened. Right. And so I just want to be really clear that, that that's really what we're advocating for is more of a nuanced look at how we go back yeah. to school. Do you have a last minute pitch for year round school? Uh, you know what? I, I, I'm wondering if we could start, you know, like suppose you just had July and August and you had school, but not traditional school. You just had school with the people that are willing to teach and the kids that are willing to come and you have school and you have a bunch of different ways that that looks. And then we transition into a more traditional school year. And then we kind of play that calendar so that we have the capability to be closed for three or four weeks and to be open for three or four weeks without it being set into the parameters of school starts in August and it ends in at Memorial Day. I think if we can move beyond the parameters of Labor Day and Memorial Day, I think we'd be better off, yeah. Would you say that it's, uh, largely speaking, it's fair to say that the traditional school calendar that still happens is a, is a, like driven by necessity, academic necessity? Or do you think that it's driven by external factors that um, probably have already been disrupted? I would say it was driven by external factors before in terms of agriculture. And if you go look back at the history, I think more recently it is driven by the, by facility issues of, <clears throat> excuse me, of we don't have air conditioning and it's 99 degrees in this school. Still the case and I, well, that's what I'm saying. And now I think we have gotten, you know, a lot of the infrastructure of schools up to speed, a lot more remodeling. And, you know, so I think if we were having this discussion in 1975, that was a very different discussion when nobody had air conditioning and it wasn't feasible to have kids in school all year on. I think now it is much, it's never been more feasible than it is right now. So now everybody's going to be like losing their mind that we're saying we have to go to year-round school. But you know what? This is the time you can have that discussion mm-hmm. where people aren't going to lose their mind because they don't have a trip to Disneyland planned. They don't because mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> everybody, everything is disruptive. So yeah. maybe now is the time to start uh, looking at what what kind of a calendar can we put together for a new school year that allows us to pivot back and forth if we need to mm-hmm. and still meet all those needs. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Um, This episode was a little bit less specifically tailored to safety than maybe sometimes we, our discussions are. Um, So if you're looking for a very specific focus, a very specific discussion about school safety concerns, uh, skills, and something a little bit more in that lane, you can check out our webinars. If you head to our website, www.eschoolsafety.org, we have a page with all of our online resources, all of our webinars that are free. We have other episodes of of this podcast, past live live streams, um, some of which are a little bit more about the pandemic, um, many of which are more specifically about school safety topics, and we have a lot of other resources there. Uh, We always ask people to please rate and review and subscribe. Um, That helps this podcast get out into the hands of other folks, like-minded people who would like to be able to discover this and haven't yet. Um, And Um, I encourage you to find some of your colleagues 
and get together and let us help you craft some online professional development or send this podcast to someone that you would like to have hear it and jumpstart the discussion that we've just had of kind of shifting uh, some of those paradigms. So I challenge you to do both of those. And once you've talked about it with the colleague, um, reach out to us, let us know what were the questions? What were the things that you disagreed with? What were the things that you were like, you know what, I hadn't thought of that. And that's a really good concern for us at our school. Um, you and can how many times did I touch my face? Don't forget to include oh, that. Oh yeah, how many times did you touch your face? Um, and how many times did I say strategic and intentional? <laughs> a lot, probably. Um, but you can uh, always reach out to us on social media. Uh, we are on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and YouTube, obviously. Hello to the people who are joining us live on YouTube. And um, as always, all of our resources um, are there on the website, eschoolsafety.org. So there you have it. Thank you.